It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to another edition of Talking City, where today we are judging the rule over the ruling from the Court of Arbitration Sport that has given City the green light to go into the Champions League next season. Um, my name's Joe Bray, I'll be your host for today, and we are joined by Stuart Brennan. Hello there. And Sai Baikowski. Hello. And it's been quite a busy morning. Um, City have got the news that they wanted. They are back in the Champions League. There's no two-year ban. Um, the fine is obviously being reduced. But uh, let's just get your initial reaction, uh, Stu. What do you make of the news? I think it's a vindication of everything City have been saying, you know, certainly for the last 18 months or so, but probably for the last six years, you know. Um, there's been a lot of talk and people have been, people have sort of, you know, it's, social media's been an absolute battleground uh, in terms of this, you know, two entrenched positions, one side saying City are guilty of, uh, and, the, you know, the whole the whole future of FFP rests on this thing. And, of course, City fans rallying around the club, which they're always going to do. Uh, but City themselves have, have made it plain that they're, um, you know, they, they've said right from day one that we've done nothing wrong. Um, the, the the emails in which, on which this was all based, the, the, the whole UEFA case was based, um, were taken out of context. Um, and really, they've, they've been completely vindicated. I mean, the, 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 10, the 10 million euro fine uh, was almost a technicality. And the fact that that's been reduced by two thirds suggests that the Court of Arbitration for Sports saw that as a minor matter. You know, there are some people who are actually clinging on to, to, that, um, to that fine uh, to say, well, they're not entirely innocent, but that fine doesn't say that they're not innocent. It's basically saying that they didn't cooperate fully. They didn't cooperate as well. The city, I mean, city are staying very quiet on it for the moment, but I think the, the basis of it is that they didn't fully cooperate because, A, they said that they'd cooperate as much as they could. They didn't have anything else to give. But also there was a feeling that, you know, hold on a minute, you're, you're investigating us for for emails that have been illegally obtained um you know this this is just wrong right from the start we've done nothing wrong but we're, we're being hauled over the coals for um for stuff that that a is taken out of context and b was illegally obtained so that might um indicate why they um they also didn't fully cooperate as the as the, the verdict has, has indicated and i don't know what you think about it si um yeah it, it it's an absolute vindication for city i think the decision is better than city could have hoped for really because like you mentioned that 10 million fine is for for not cooperating so everything that from everything uefa sort of flung at city none of it stuck um and i mean the um the idea that UEFA's claims, it says in the, the cast statement, that uh, either not established or time-barred. I mean, I've sort of had a, a sports lawyer this morning describe that to me as basically UEFA scoring an own goal. It seems remarkable that they would 
go to take it to arbitration, a, a hearing, and and have that come up. Um, so that it's a huge, huge win for City, and uh, it's hard to see sort of how UEFA come out of this looking good. Yeah, the, it, it almost feels like UEFA was stampeded into it. I mean, that, that's that's certainly my take on it. They were under a lot of pressure. Once the football league stuff came out, you know, they had other big clubs in Europe, uh, purely out of self-interest, uh, and, and other, you know, sections of the media right throughout Europe, all on UEFA's case, trying to get them to do something. And we know that UEFA are quite easily swayed. You know, we know that they do bow to pressure from the big clubs. They do bow to pressure from the media. Uh, and it does feel like that, that that's what happened. And, and they sort of dashed into it. Um, there was a feeling that they weren't even properly prefer- prepared because when, when they sort of, when they made the charge against City, it was just within uh, the five-year deadline. Uh, there's a five-year deadline for, uh, for punishing breaches of the rules. And it felt like they sort of rushed into it. Um, they, they weren't fully prepared. I mean, they've had a long time to get their case ready for the cast. They've, they've employed a top-class legal team. I mean, people have put the emphasis on the legal team City have, have, um, have come up with, as if it's some kind of, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't really be doing that. But UEFA have also got a, a top-class and highly paid legal team, and they have not come up with the evidence uh, that, that shows that, that, that City have done anything wrong. Um so uh, you know that, that 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 fact alone tells me that they didn't have they didn't have any kind of case to begin with, and people have just accept, just accepted that they would. Sorry, sorry, my there's the beauty of podcasting from home. Somebody at the door, and the dog's going wild. But uh, he he was unhappy about the verdict as well. So. Barking mad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's kind of a great irony of the case that. You know, one of those leaked emails had City um, staff members saying, you know, we can do what we want. And the idea that has been pushed from the start, really, that City think they're above the rules. And it it, it feels like UEFA have been, the decision has gone against UEFA because they, they didn't follow the rules themselves or they didn't understand the rules or they thought they could sort of punish City for, for things beyond the established um timeframes so you know in the end city have done things by the book and uh, and it was wrong of uefa to to suggest that they hadn't yeah i mean the the um the the other thing to do with that is the fact that you know the, the leaks coming out of uefa throughout the process were ridiculous you know weird tales i'm sure you heard the same as i i did say about you know, a certain UEFA meeting of a of, of somebody inside UEFA, UEFA openly briefing journalists on what was going on, um, and it, you kind of think that should not be happening. You know, UEFA should should be better than that. They, they, they shouldn't they shouldn't be leaking it. And it also gives evidence of the fact that UEFA uh, it's it's incredible, really, because UEFA we all know that UEFA is deeply flawed. They've got a lot of good people working there. A lot of people who do try to do the right thing, but they've got a lot of people there who, who are working, pursuing their own agendas. You know, um, whether that be on behalf of, of, of a cartel of top clubs or, or, or whatever. But you know, I think it'd be naive to believe that there aren't people within UEFA who are trying to influence and sway on behalf of others rather than 
trying to do what's right for football and what's right for European football. Um, and, and the fact that, that Cass actually expressed uh, misgivings about the way UEFA were handling it, because of course City tried to go to Cass um, much earlier than this and try and get the the whole thing uh, called off on a technicality. On the ba- part of the part of the, the basis was that they weren't getting a fair hearing because UEFA were, were constantly putting stuff out, leaking stuff to certain sections of the media. Um, and Cass actually acknowledged that. They, they, they turned down City's uh, attempt to get to get the whole thing called off. I said, no, no, we are going to go through with the process. But they expressed concern at the way UEFA were, were handling it. Uh, so at that point, you kind of think, UEFA are struggling a little bit here. You know, they, they've just had a slap, a slap on the wrists from Cass. Um, you, you kind of wonder how how poor is the rest of their case, and we found out this morning how poor it was. <laughs> Given that, uh, obviously, we've just discussed how sort of confident City were, how much better that prepared their case was. What are the chances, Si, of a potential appeal against this decision from UEFA? Very, very little. Um, I mean. We've had uh, the La Liga president, who will be well known to to anyone who's followed City for a while, has sort of been upset at Manchester City's success for a a long, long time. Um, And he has come out and called for a reassessment of whether Cass is the appropriate body. Um, Come out with a weird line that says Switzerland is a country with a great history of arbitration, but Cass is not up to standard, which I don't quite know. Where you go with that, um, Cass obviously think, based in Switzerland. I think Javier Tebas, who, who, who's the guy, the La Liga president you're talking about, I think he wants it taken out of Switzerland and removed to his office in Madrid. Madrid, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, think and, uh, I think that's basically what he wants. Yeah. Incredible. Um, he's, but, he's a guy who said that City were piddling in the pool, isn't he, as well? <laughs> uh, I, think, I, think we, yeah. I think perhaps it's him who was... Uh, City threatened legal action after after that, didn't they? <laughs> I uh, seem to well, think. Yeah, quite, quite. I don't. I don't recall that, but quite probably. Um, um, but but yeah, the um, Cass is seen as the authority on on these decisions. It is the be all and end all. There is a very slight possibility that UEFA could go to the Swiss federal courts only if there has been a major procedural error and they can show that there's been a major procedural error and judging by their attempts to show that City have done wrongdoing, you wouldn't have any confidence that they were able to show something wrong with Cass. And also the statement when the hearing ended from Cass included satisfaction from both sides of how it had all been conducted. So it would only be the decision that UEFA could go against and the Swiss federal courts, it's time consuming, it's expensive and it very, very rarely goes against any decision that that Cass has made, so we're—I mean, you know—you might hear talk of an appeal, but basically, it's over now. It's done. City are free to play in the Champions League. Yeah, and I think it was sort of a bit of a sheepish statement from UEFA uh, acknowledging and noting the uh, the verdict today. But interestingly, they say they defend financial fair play in that that statement. And the natural question that comes from this ruling is what is the future of financial fair play now? Uh, Stu, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's incredible. I've been looking looking through social media. I've seen Gary Lineker said it and quite a lot of top journalists saying it, that FFP is finished. <laughs> this kind of thing. I, I just don't get where they're coming from. You know, it's like if it, if I go to court charged with burglary and the, and the, and the 
the judge throws it out and says, no, he, he didn't burgle anyone. Nobody turns around and says, oh, that's a burglary law's finished. It's just nonsense. <laughs> I mean, it, it just needs to be looked at. There's nothing wrong with financial fair play as, as it started out. It started out as a means to, uh, to stop clubs from getting themselves into serious problems, into serious debt. Uh, and it, it was, you know, it was. It, I was completely behind it at that point. It, it was the right thing to do, but it's just been warped out of all shape. We've even got Arsene Wenger. I mean, you've got remember this is Arsene Wenger, who was a guy who he didn't invent the term financial doping, but every flipping press conference he was bringing it up because Chelsea were were smashing the hell out of his Arsenal team, uh, and it was all financial doping this and financial doping that. So. It, you know, he, he seemed to be one of FFP's greatest proponents. But just recently, he said, no, we're not sure about this. This is stopping competition. And it, it is clearly, in my mind, it is clearly a means to, to keep the established traditional elite at the top. Uh, that's what it's been turned into. So it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be thrown out with a, with a bathwater. It needs to be, uh, it needs to be finessed. It needs to... Um, be turned back into what it was initially intended to be, which was a means to stop clubs getting in above their heads. You know, the, when it started out, the, the people who started out financial fair play out um, were arguing about debt and leverage debt in particular, you know, the kind of debt that United have had stacked against them for years. It's been very dangerous. You know, it's dangerous. I mean, David Gill himself said debt is the road to ruin when, when he was, you know, opposing the Glazer takeover. And then, uh, then the Glazer the Glazer takeover actually happened, and he did a, a one eighty, uh, <laughs> and fell in behind it. So, so you know, all of a sudden that that debt element got dropped, and that debt element got dropped not because people thought no debt isn't a bad thing. Uh, it was because they realised that if they introduced the debt element, well, United w- would would fail financial fair play, Barcelona would fail it, Real Madrid would fail it, and then UEFA are faced with a Champions League without. A lot of their biggest clubs, you know, a couple of Italian clubs would fail as well. So, you know, financial fair play does not need to, to, to be thrown out. It needs to be looked at again and made into something um, some, something better. And the other, the other aspect, sorry if I'm banging on, but the other aspect to this is that you've got to remember that City have not, have not failed financial fair play for years and years and years. The, allega- the allegations today... Uh, the allegations that have been chucked out today um, are, are old ones. They're going back like five, five, six, seven years, um, and since then, nobody, nobody's claiming that City have been sort of, of, of breached financial fair play. Since then, they've been submitting their accounts and they've been coming back clean. Uh, so, you know, financial fair play is being observed by Manchester City. The rules as they stand, which in my mind aren't fair ones, is being observed, and it's being observed by other, others. So. To, to now suddenly say FFP is finished, to me, it's just ludicrous. It, is that, though, Stu, where kind of reality versus power comes in, in the sense that, you know, you're absolutely right, it would be wrong to look at this decision and say, yes, FFP is dead. But if enough people with sort of a huge platform in the game, whether that's Gary Lineker just asking the question... Um, and not sort of reading enough into the verdict, or whether it's people who feel like City should have been punished and b- because it, it hurts their own interests, and so think that FFP should be finished because they've not uh, not been able to punish City. 
Um, is, is that where kind of the pressure is on UEFA to do something meaningful with, with FFP? Yeah, I think they're coming for you, Si. <laughs> the FFP police. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that, that's basically it. I mean, by saying FFP is finished, what, what, they, what they seem to be saying is, is essentially, oh, well, City have just got away with it. They, they've, they've breached the rules, they've done all these things wrong, and they've got away with it. So where's FFP now? But, but I don't know. I mean, they don't sort of seem to accept the fact that that might not be the case. It, it, it seems to be more the case that City haven't actually done anything wrong. It's not that they've got away with it. It's that they haven't actually done anything wrong in the first place. And opinions have become so entrenched on yeah. this that, that nobody will accept that. Nobody will say, oh, well, actually, maybe I got this wrong. Um, you know, maybe City were innocent in the first place. It's got to be. No, they're still guilty. Uh, and the fact they've got away with it means that FFP is dead. I mean, really, <laughs> just just have a bit of humility and, and consider the fact that you might have been wrong in the first place. So, so if we're thinking that, um, obviously, we know that City have been adhering to the financial fair play rules. They've now got a summer to prepare for Champions League next season. The uh, Premier League title bid against Liverpool is obviously really important. In the transfer market, how do we think this decision will affect what City can and can't do now? Well, I mean, I, I've just been, I've spoke to some of the at City and they don't think that it, it would have materially affected things anyway. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of citing the case of United who, who haven't been Champions League regulars but still been you know, they still attracted Harry Maguire to come and play for the club last season ahead of City. Uh, you know, money money plays a part in that as well, of course. Uh, I think more importantly would have been holding on to players. Uh, we saw, you know, there were a few noises coming out of Raheem Sterling's camp that he might not might might not stay if they were if the band stayed. Um, Kevin De Bruyne uh, made a hint that you know. I think he said if it was two years, he might have to consider his future. Um, if it was one year, fair enough. So that was a bit worrying. I know his agent came out last week and, and sort of tried to calm that one and say, oh, you know, he's he's not even thinking about that. But the idea being he's not thinking about it now. But once the appeal comes out, you know, he might start thinking about his future. That, that seems to be the implication of that. So I think that's more important. You know, someone like De Bruyne, he's, he's, he's 29. The thought he'd be sitting there thinking, I'm not going to play in the Champions League again until I'm 31. Uh, you know, he's at that, that stage of his career. And you can imagine him, him sort of thinking, yeah, you know, he could take his pick. You know, I, I think there's not a club in, club in the world that wouldn't pay big money for him. Um, so I, th- I think that's more important. But but yeah, I mean, in terms of the transfer market, City can go out now and it's just an extra. They, they can offer good money. They can offer a great club that's going to win things, um, a fantastic setup. Uh, they can offer Pep Guardiola, and on top of that, Champions League football next season, and probably the season after. You know, you can't imagine City not making it the season after. So yeah, it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in terms of bringing in new players, but an even bigger deal in terms of holding on to the ones that they've got. Yeah, I think yeah. that. I think that's it. I'm not sure that. It necessarily gives them more money for the transfer market specifically but had that ban been upheld any of their current players that sort of you know City will want to keep on to every player keep hold of every player so if they try and initiate contract talks every player at the club will be able to say right well what are you giving me for my loyalty staying at the club when I could go elsewhere and pick up more money so it would have 
cost them money to keep players. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had sort of the pom- just issues like Champions League bonuses. Do, do the players get them if they've qualified for the Champions League? But then sh- surely that will have been decided on the basis of City knowing they would get revenues from the Champions League that they wouldn't be getting. So what happens there? So it avoids a lot of those kind of smaller but thorny issues and, and yeah, gives them a free run to, uh, to to sign the players that they want to sign. There's there's no restrictions now on on anything, really. I mean, you've got Guardiola only a year left on his, his contract, but City are... You know, have shown that the dominant team in English football for the last five, six years. If you want to join a, a team in the Champions League, um, City have been there every year, and none of the others can say that. Yes, yeah, I think picking up on on the point there, I mean, it would have been a huge financial hit for City. You know, this this verdict wasn't just about playing in Europe and having big attractive ties. It was City's futures for the next five, six, seven years maybe mapped out. Um, and it would have been a real problem for them because I mean I, I saw one estimate that it would cost them about three hundred million pound over the course of the two year ban if that ban hadn't been overturned. Now that's a huge amount of money, you know. And people, of course, you're going to get people saying, "Yeah, but all you have to do is the sheik can put his hand in his pocket." They seem to forget that the city are abiding by financial fair play rules, and they couldn't do that. Um, so you know that hit would would have would have seriously affected them. Uh, in all kinds of ways, I, I think you know it would have been it would have been an achievement of what certain clubs have set out to do, uh, which was to, was to undermine uh, what what City have, have done in the last ten years, um, and that, that financial hit, along with the, the hit in terms of holding on to players and attracting new players, uh, keeping Pep, it would have been a, a massive massive problem for the club. Um, I mean, I'm not saying they would they would. You know, they would go back to where they were 12 years ago, but uh, it certainly would affect their competitiveness in the Premier League, uh, as, as well as uh, forbidding them from being in the Champions League. Um, but there's a lot of self-interest knocking out, knocking around about there, and I think I hope that the uh, the eight clubs in the top t- ten of the Premier League who sent that letter <laughs> to Cass uh, demanding that City be kept out of the Champions League, which I mean, talk about a display of complete naked self-interest. That was just appalling. The fact that if, if they'd have got um, the other 19 Premier League clubs, the ones who didn't have a European place at stake, to send that letter, you'd kind of think, yeah, okay. They, they, the way they see it is that they're, they're, they're trying to protect football's integrity and, and protect the rules. But the fact it was the, the top 10, apart from City and Sheffield United, who I'm sure City will be eternally grateful for, to, to, for, for a long time, the fact it was eight of the top ten who, who were just looking, eyeing up those European places is just appalling, you know. And I just hope that they're all hanging their heads in shame this morning. Well, that that looks even worse now. Like it, it was they they sent it at the start of when the you know we've just gone into lockdown, so when the pandemic was taking hold, and they were suggesting that City would try and make use of the pandemic to delay their ban. Well, you know, all of those clubs were trying to make use of the pandemic to get what they wanted. And and it also fed into another incorrect assumption that City would try and get away with whatever they could. And City had Mm -hmm. said from the outset, we want this case to be heard as soon as possible so that we can clear our name and reputation. And that sort of application from those clubs was suggesting that, that City 
would try and delay the case for as long as possible. And that has been shown to be completely untrue. So, yeah, I I think uh, City might be sending some flowers to, to Sheffield United, but <laughs> Guardiola kind of hinted in his press conference at Brighton that they were well aware of uh, their rival's interest in the case. And uh, he said he will give his opinion in Tuesday's press conference. So that might be worth bringing some popcorn along for. <laughs> and I'm off tomorrow. <laughs> Watching it at your leisure. I might watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm sure Guardiola has a lot to say. He's definitely bitten his tongue over the last uh, few months. Um, um, look, can, let's can look just, ahead. To, go on. Sorry, can I just add on that? Um, oh, no, sorry, go on. You, you, you crack on, crack on, it doesn't matter. Fair enough. I was going to uh, look ahead to the uh, the Bournemouth game coming up, just as a, a final final point. And also, City have got, obviously, the FA Cup and the Champions League to finish the season. Um, with Champions League now secured, we know they're going to be in there. Surely it's going to be a lot of changes for that Bournemouth game um, if we get any team news from Guardiola and not just reaction to this decision? I think Guardiola's going to field the legal team. It's going to be uh, all all the barristers and the solicitors. They're going to uh, line who's up a, in an effective formation. Who's the barrister in the black? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just it just lifts, you know, everything at the club. Um it means they've got kind of nothing hanging over them. And, you know, Guardiola have kind of been at pains to make out, oh, it won't be extra motivation, it won't be this, it won't be that. And 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 But now they can just forget it and and carry on and look forward to, to the chance to finish on an incredible high this season, really. Yeah, I think, uh, the sense I'm getting from, from the club, I mean, speaking to people at the club, uh, and, and looking at the social media accounts, and we all we saw the, there's a picture of Pep and his staff uh, looking at, extremely happy. There's a euphoria flowing through the club now. Uh, you know, it's, it's like a real. They suddenly hit a real high of all all the, the worry of the last last few weeks and months um, that had been pushed. I mean, to be fair, the playing staff and the management staff have pushed it all to one side, but now they can enjoy the euphoria of the moment, and you, you fear a little bit for Bournemouth. Uh, you know, you kind of think that they're coming, coming in. They might just, they might just take the lash for, for the fact that you know there's a there's a lot of euphoria sort of flowing through through the limbs, and going forward as well. I mean, this this season's Champions League, um, and obviously the FA Cup semi final next week. You know, there's a real a real buzz about the club again. You know, so the UEFA have sort of uh, UEFA and the, the the powers that have influenced them have sort of really done the opposite of what they set out to do. They, they thought they've energised and enthused the club uh, rather than sort of put them back in the box. Um, and I think that I think it'll be interesting to, to see um, how they go about the business in the next few weeks. I mean, you don't expect anything different at City, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I, I just feel that in terms of that, just that extra little edge uh, may have just been created by, by what's happened today. Yeah, definitely. Although I do think one thing you ain't going to for is the fact that there won't be any fans against Real Madrid to, uh, to boo the anthem. On, uh, <laughs> unless it's piped in, of course. Um, I think that wraps us up today. We've uh, covered a lot of aspects of uh, where City are now and uh, obviously a very good day for the club. So uh, thank you both. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, we'll see you next time for another episode of Talking City. <laughs>